Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus the Christ. Amen. Amen. Thanksgiving, give thanks. When? When should we give thanks? And I want to talk about that with you today. And as we do, I want to share with you that, that yesterday was my birthday. I had all these calls, all these texts, all these cards offering me well wishes and a happy birthday. And, and I just sat back and thought, I'm so thankful for the people in my life and the blessing that I have to work with you and to be with you. And I also then took a little walk because I needed to go out and get some steps. And so I was out walking for a while, and, and all of a sudden I saw these two large birds. I think they were hawks. I don't know for sure. And they were flying over. I was glad they weren't vultures. And as they were flying over, I, I was just looking up and just enjoying watching them soar. You know, sometimes in our culture we experience so many things that nothing much shocks us or gets our attention, right? We've seen all these things on the movies. We, we have all these things. We're constantly distracted by so much. An overabundance are just hitting us all the time. And I was just so impressed by the simplicity of two beautiful birds soaring. And as I saw them soaring, one word just came to mind Again and again and again. I couldn't get that word out of my mind. And and that word was freedom. They were soaring. They were free. And it came to mind again for me, something to be thankful for out of something I've just been reading a while back. and reminded me that, you know, you and I as Christians can enjoy that same kind of freedom. Not the freedom of soaring in the sky so much but the freedom from the penalty of our sin. Right? Sin's penalty has been removed from us by Jesus' death on the cross. His resurrection again has set us free from the penalty, from the wages of sin is, and that penalty is gone because of Jesus. Then I thought some more, and I thought, you know, not only my past stuff, but I'm also set free from the power of sin. How many of us go through life, and like me later, I'm going to have two tests. One of my you know, five things I talked with you about on last Sunday, okay, once, what am I facing today? And I'm already real aware I'm going to two homes after this, and both those homes are going to have an abundance of food. So I'm going to be battling today, okay? In the middle of those battles, I'm reminded that I don't live under the power of sin. Do you ever rejoice in the truth? Do you ever give thanks to God that you don't have to live under the penalty of sin because that's been removed from you? Nor do you have to live under the power of sin. Yes, there's temptations that surround us, but we are new creations in Christ. We can actually say no to sin. We can actually say no to overindulgence. We can actually say no to all these other things that get in the way of our living the L. Trust in Jesus and love in our neighbor. And you know what's really beautiful? The, just the third P that stuck with me. So I'm set free from the penalty of sin. I'm set free from the power of sin. And I'm set free one day in Jesus from even the presence of sin. Can you? We can't. Remember that song years ago said, I can only imagine. We can only imagine how awesome it's going to be one day when Jesus comes again and the new heavens and new earth, paradise restored, Eden again, worldwide, and we will live there and reign there with Jesus. 
Isn't the life of a Christian the best? Think of all that we have. Freedom, penalty, freedom, power, freedom even of the presence of sin one day. And we get to live with that hope every moment of every day. We usually forget, though. Thankful. I'm thankful for those things. I'm also thankful this last Tuesday we had Bible class, and afterwards one of our members left their their purse here and, and lost it. And they were fretting because they had lost their purse. Okay? You ever lose a billfold or a purse? And you're just like calm, aren't you? I lost that. All my credit cards are in there. All my other cards are in there. My identity's in there. All that stuff. I'm just calm. Life is easy. There's no stress. Well, that might not be you, and it's certainly not me. Okay? It's like, oh, what's happening? I can't find it. Okay? And so we begin to freak out. Okay? But you know what? We prayed, and then after a short while, able to find it. And it was just so appropriate for us to take some time to thank God for helping us to find. Because God cares about lost things. Luke 15. The lost sheep, the lost coin, the lost son. We who are lost, he cares. And so we can bring it to him and ask him to help us find it. And just another reason to thank God because our God hears us when we pray and answers our prayers in the right time and the right way with a yes and a no and a wait, depending on what we need. Which brings me to our gospel lesson for today. These lepers, again, we, we don't really understand so much the whole idea of leprosy. Because when we're sick, we're put in a hospital and we feel really isolated, right? But they were totally out of the community. We, if you, if you have people in your life, they can come and see you usually, unless it's some huge major deal, okay, where you're contagious, then sometimes you can't. But usually you can have those people coming in and they can be with you. I know when my wife went in years ago when she had her appendix removed, she was constantly being visited by people. But these lepers, the only ones that would be with the lepers are other lepers because it's such a highly contagious thing. So they are separated from their family. They are separated from those that they love. And so there's this illness that is going to put them to death. Eventually, they will dwindle away. Then they're away from their family. And they cry out to Jesus for healing. And you know what Jesus does? He answers their prayer in an awesome way. If I were to ask you to think through, has there been any prayer that you've prayed and said, dear God, please, and he said yes to, it wouldn't be that hard to think of one, would it? Just one? I have a lot that I can think of. And you know what the problem is? Sometimes we have all these wonderful prayers that God's answered, and then we just move on. Does that ever happen to you? Dear God, please answer this. Great, you answered it. Now, what is it? What's all? We're like the nine. We just go on. Does no one come back and offer thanks? Maybe not for you, but for some people in our lives, that's a real growth area. To stop, to slow down, to turn around and say, Dear God, thanks for that. Now, maybe not for you. That's great. But for a lot of people we know, stopping, turning, and saying, thank you, God. Because again, 
this whole season for so many people in Austin, Texas is just a general era of thanksgiving. We don't have that. Thanksgiving isn't just a general era of thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is, I thank you. Jesus. It's not just a general sense of, I'm really happy right now. Things are going my way. But I thank you. Which I have to agree. In Philippians 1, Paul says, I thank my God for you and your partnership in the ministry. In 1 Thessalonians, he says, I I thank God for, for the ministry and the way your faith is living out and how you love other people and you're active in your faith. And he's thanking God for these who are working in partnership. I also thank God for you. I thank God that Roberto is there every Sunday just about to run the screen so that we can worship well together. I thank God for these over here who did the beautiful singing to lead us with that. I'm thanking for the elders for showing up on time. I remember a couple weeks ago, Jim came in and he said, you're just getting here? And it was like five minutes before everything started. I said, yeah, I got great elders. I don't think I said that to him, but I do who get the whole place up and warm or cool or whatever. And so it's running and going. So much happens that I'm not in charge of because we're in ministry together, right? And it's not just here at this building. The reason things work well here is not because I did it right. It's because we know, work together, and we use the gifts that we have together. I thank God for you. I wonder how many times people just need to hear that. I could say it a whole lot more than I do. Could you too? I thank God for you being here so that your parents can come. I thank God for all these other things. Could we say that more? Yeah, sure we could. When can we say it? When we remember. Oh, which reminds me again of the Old Testament lesson, which we'll get to in just a minute. I'm thankful for a couple of lessons I've learned recently. And one of them is that you tend to find what you're looking for. Isn't that a great little little comment there? You tend to find what you're looking for. I'm so glad for that. Because if I'm looking for people to complain about, guess what I'll find? If I'm looking for junk to groan about, guess what I'll find? If I'm looking for God's beauty, guess what I'll find? If I'm looking for things to be thankful for, guess what I'll find? Isn't it amazing? People who are really negative and angry can find things to be negative and angry about. It's not what happens to us in life. It's what we think about what happens to us in life. What am I looking for? Oh, yeah, I live in America, the land of the entitled. And if I don't get what I'm entitled to, I'm going to really complain. Maybe that's not you, but how far do you have to go in your family to get there? If that's not you, how far do you have to go to get there? For most of us, not very far, right? And then there's this other little thing I just love it. Pardon me for doing this to you all the time, but I'm your pastor, so (laughs) buck up buttercup, I guess is the phrase, right? Larry Crabb writes this. He says, behavior can better be understood by looking at what it achieves than by studying its background. 
behavior, what I'm doing right now, can be better understood by looking at what it achieves. What's the goal? Why am I acting like I am? Oh, you know what? I'm acting like I am because I want your sympathy. I want you to see I'm a victim. I want you to feel sorry for me. And I want you to say how great I am. Would you please say how great I am? Because that's what I'm doing, what I'm doing. Right? Isn't that what happens sometimes? I'm doing what I'm doing, not as a result of my background, near as much as it's a result of what I'm trying to achieve. Think for a moment. Why do you do some of the things you do? Before you jump back to, that's just my past. Maybe jump to, maybe what's what I'm looking for is what I do this for. So I praise God because my goal is to make much of his name. I smile because I know mirroring happens. And so when I smile, somebody else will usually smile back at me. And I want to help them have a better day. I complain because what I really want is for people to feel sorry for how bad things are in my life. This might not exclusively be true. But how many times is that true in our lives? Our behavior is better explained by our goal than by our background. Cool little thing. I want that to kind of impact my life. And when I do certain things, I want to say, now, why did I do that? That's not what I wanted to do. And then go a different way. Or maybe not, that's not what I wanted to do. Maybe that's not where I want to head. I'm thankful to God for lessons. Have you received any lessons recently? And if you have, are you thankful to God for those lessons? Speaking of lessons, we need to look yet at the, real quickly at the old and the epistle lesson. And as we think about those, I, I sent out a little, a little text challenge for some folks. I said, I have something a little different for you. So I have about 20 people or so that I send this to. I said, please read and recite two Bible verses, Romans 8, verse 1, and Galatians 6, 14. I ask that you read them out loud 30 times throughout the day. Please record, no, yeah, I said it was a challenge, right? Okay. Record any insights or questions you have and share them back with me. And so one former student, and the reason I'm doing this is because I was reading again about, about Luther said, um, prayer, meditation, and temptation. And so we pray for the Holy Spirit to lead us as we spend time in the Word. Just a quick question. By a show of smiles. Okay, so just have a straight face first. By show of smiles, how many of you, before you open up the Bible, say, Dear God, send your Holy Spirit to guide me as I spend this time in your word? Just by smiles. How many of you do that? Oh, so there's a little room for growth here today. Okay, so what we're going to do is we're going to say, Dear God, please send your Spirit to open my eyes to see what your word has to say for me today. And then read it and think about it and think about it. And so when I sent that out to that young man, he wrote back to me, and he said, What does the world has been crucified to me and I to the world mean? And the nice man that I am, I said this. Keep reading and thinking about the Galatians 6-4 passage and see if any other insights come to mind. Ask the Spirit to enlighten you. In other words, what I said was, as one uh, seminary professor did before us in our classes, he just said, Sometimes when we read the Bible and then we have a question, we go, oh, I wonder what that means. And his thing was, put your head back in the Word and see what it means. And so that's what I asked him to do, which is actually discipline, right? How many of us undergo discipline? 
Hopefully we all do, right? When an athlete doesn't eat certain things and takes care of his body, that's discipline. When a pianist does the scales over and over and over and over and over again, that's some discipline. They could do other things, but they discipline themselves. Okay? When we look down in the Word, we stay in the Word, and we keep asking, what does this mean? We ask the Holy Spirit to lead us, and then we stay in it and we meditate upon it. And I want to ask that when you spend time in the Word, that you speak it out loud. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That was one of the verses I asked them to think about. Do you think if you said that to yourself or said that to yourself 30 times out loud, that might impact you? Do you know that one of the people I sent it to, they actually took their daughter to the zoo and they were reading it out loud at the zoo. And fellow people around them were like, I'm just really impressed that you're reading scripture out loud with your daughter. And she received nothing but praises for reading the scriptures out loud, not in an offensive way or trying to bother other people, but just in a way that could be heard to her daughter. Amazing. Well, the other one was, be it far from me to boast, may it be far from me ever to boast, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's where he said, by which I've been crucified to the world and the world to me. And he kept asking, what, what does that mean? And so I, I said, well, first of all, for me, may I never boast means I stop comparing myself. Do you ever compare yourself? I do all the time. Other preachers, other professors, other, other pastors, whatever. Like, and I'm usually on the downside. Okay? Sometimes on the upside, which is really much scarier. Because that's just proud boasting arrogance, which is really much worse, okay? But both are bad. I'm not as good as, I'm not as bad as, blah, blah, blah. I wonder if that can turn into boasting anytime fast. And then, they never boast except in the cross. The cross. You know what the cross shows us? Another reason to be thankful. Why? It shows us the extent to which God would show his love for us, that while we were still enemies, Christ would die for you. You know, when I'm dwelling on the fact that Christ would die for me, do you know what that takes away? All my pride and boasting. Do you dwell on that on a day-by-day basis? Do you delight in being humbled by the God who loves you so much he would die on a cross for you? The discipline idea is what I'd like you to think about giving thanks when. Because in the Old Testament, it talked about, I disciplined you in the uh, wilderness, testing you to see if you would follow me. And that, and that discipline reminds me of Hebrews chapter 12. Listen to what this says. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as sons. For what son is not disciplined by his father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are illegitimate children and not true sons. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of our spirits and live? And then verse 11 says this. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace by those who have been trained by it. No discipline seems pleasant at the time. John 15 talks about where the with the branches, and he's the vine. And he prunes the branches so that we might bear more fruit. Pruning, if you had a chance to talk to a branch, pruning would never feel good. 
Discipline never feels good. Okay? But if you think of Romans 8, 28, 29, God works all things together for good to those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Okay? For we're being conformed. The good is that we're conformed to the image of his son. In the discipline, God grows us and changes us. And this is the last point I want to make. I know it's been long. I apologize for the length today. What don't you think for just a minute? What if it's right what David Paulison writes in his book, Speaking the Truth in Love? What if the Christian life is to be about a life of change? From to. From Luther's definition of sin, which is an arrow pointing back at myself, to a life of trusting God and loving my neighbor. What if it's moving from and to? And therefore, what God wants to do is he wants to use the discipline, he wants to use the hardships, he wants to use the difficulties in our lives to help us change and grow, not just change our circumstances. Dear God, please change everyone around me and make my life perfect. That's what we'd like to pray, right? Then we'd Thanksgiving would be perfect, okay? But what if God's desire in the Christian life is that he would work in us to change us and change us through the hardships? Like last weekend, the last weekend when I was up with my family and my weird way of thinking that got me into some trouble. Which has led to a lot of healthy, good, right changes for me today. I needed to go through that to get me where I am now. You know it says in scripture to pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. Give thanks when? Always. When everything goes really great, when I live in the freedom, when I'm enjoying all of God's answered prayers, and when I'm experiencing the discipline and the hardships that God is using to help me change and grow. Amen?